Yo, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy Soso, in case you ain't know so, and welcome back to another episode of Sports with Soso. Coming to you live from CIC Miami, y'all. This week is the Dolphins episode that we promised. We break down the good, the bad, and the ugly of Saturday's preseason game and what we can look forward to for the Dolphins season. It's time to take a ride, y'all. Let's go. This is, I'm not going to lie, fool, every year, right? And if you know me, you you know what I'm about to say is extremely true. I always tell myself, yo, don't get hyped about the Dolphins. There's nothing to look forward to. We know how it's going to end. We know what these guys are going to do to you. But this year is different because we got a lot to look forward to. There's a lot going on within the team, and I really feel like this might be the time to, like, start reinvesting those pennies and stuff that I took away from the Dolphins and start putting it back in. <laughs> you just said all that like a like a true true Dolphins fan. Straight up. Straight up. <laughs> I I have been in that boat many, many years. And uh I'm 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 looking forward to this season. I'm looking forward to to Tua having a full, you know, mini camp off season, you know, time to heal. I'm looking forward to having some weapons around them. I'm looking forward to these draft picks coming out and balling. And uh I have never been as excited for a preseason game as I was for this weekend's <laughs> loss to the Bears. Listen, I, I knew that it was going to be an important day for me because when I woke up, I was like, man, Chelsea's playing today. First game of the season. Mm. I got to watch this. Mm-hmm. you know. So I was like, hey, listen, whatever we're doing has to be before <laughs> or after 10. Um, but then after that, I was like, man, the, the thing that I'm really looking forward to today was the Dolphins game. I want to see what Tua looks like. I want to see what the offense looks like. I want to see what water looks like. Gaseki, is he fully healthy? Sheenan, he's back to health. Shaheen. Shaheen, is he back to health? There's a lot of questions. And I don't know, man. The game answered some of them, left some questions unanswered. But that's what the rest of preseason is for. But what we're going to do on this episode is we're going to break down that game. We're going to break down those battles that we saw developing right in those key positions and and what to look forward to me personally you know i want to start at the top and i want to get your thoughts on your your idea of what tua did in that first preseason game um it's a preseason game right so that's that's the first thing we got to say we got to throw that out there yeah that's he's gonna get limited time for sure not only that it's just like to lower the expectations, first preseason game, excitement. These guys have, haven't had that rep against other teams like that. Like, right. they're hitting for real. It's a level above the joint practices that they were having, you know, leading up to the game, right? Because there you are, you know, you got players going up against each other, Dolphins receivers against Bears corners, vice versa, you know, different drills that are going on. But this is actual live game speed, right? Now this is everything you've been working on. Let's Let's put it all together. You know, there's 11 guys, and all of them need to be in sync, right, to be successful. And I honestly, man, I, I, you know, we came out, I think we came out like three and out on our first drive and it was like, all right, that's kind of not how we wanted to start this. Right. But then we end up having that one drive where, you know, Tua has a nice deep ball down to Gusecki, right? Automatically throw it too. automatically my eyes lit up for a couple of reasons. Number one, how good Tua looked standing in that pocket. Mm. He looked comfortable. He looked taller. He looked bigger. He was playing bigger than what he is. (laughs) 
Yeah. Right. That was number one that that impressed me. You know, his footwork, standing in the pocket. And then number two was the throw. One of the things we complained about here all the time about last year was the fact that they weren't giving him, you know, the freedom to throw the ball deep downfield. Right. And we got to see him throw a nice deep ball down to Gasecki, which ends up building a little drive and we end up walking away with three points. But I was I was happy with the little bit that I saw from Tua. I was happy overall. Overall. For me, I can't say that I was like thrilled, right? Because like you said, that first series, I had a lot of expectations coming into it. Like, all right, let's move the ball. Let's get a first down. Let's 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 treat this like a real game. Of course. Right? And for us to go three and out, a really bad play, no run, no running game there. And just expecting Tua to, like, make something happen on a third and long, I was like, man, this is not the right foot. This is not the way that these guys had drawn up these first couple of plays, which I'm sure they were scripted, right? But then I started to think about it, and I was like, okay, maybe it was just more to, like, get Tua settled into the game, into a rhythm, and say, we're going to give you two hands off, and if you can make a read on a third down play, do it. They started to open it up a little bit more, and you're right. He did have a good pocket presence. Sometimes, I felt like sometimes too much of a pocket presence where he was afraid to take off and maybe just scramble for three, four yards, maybe five yards and slide, keep the play alive, you know. But ultimately, he did stand in the pocket to make throws. And when he did make a throw downfield over 20 yards, over 30 yards, it looked good. It looked accurate. It looked like he was giving his receivers the best opportunity to make a catch and make a play which we haven't seen here in a QB position in a long time now one thing I wanted to point out is that you know that's why I wanted to say like hey you know this is a disclaimer it's the first preseason game he didn't even have all the wide receivers out there you know Fuller didn't play Parker was out uh, who else Williams wasn't playing like a lot of guys missed from that department so he didn't really have a chance was, to look for them he was heavily reliant on the tight ends he yeah he, he was going after Shaheen he was, just, he was going after Hollins going after Gasecki so that was something that you know we saw last year he did really well with the tight ends we kind of kept going back and forth throughout the show last year it was a kind right, of an ongoing right. theme uh, about the tight ends in their role and we saw it we're, we're not straying away from that right we're sticking to what we know and that's that's the QB tight end combination right there yeah, I mean, normally that's the safest place that a quarterback can go to, right? When you have a tight end who's usually going to run a five-yard route or a quick curl and have that big target that he can, you know, hit him in the chest and feel comfortable that the wide receiver, the tight end is going to make the catch. Especially the two guys that we have. They're real good uh, pass-oriented tight ends. So throwing to those guys yeah, on the hands. regular – they got hands, right. You know, throwing to them on the regular is not necessarily a bad thing. But I do want to see us taking more chances downfield. And it's hard to say when because we need the threats to be out there in order to do that, right? Like Albert Wilson. How do you gauge that guy's speed with a seventh wide receiver, sixth wide receiver in rotation? It's not going to happen. That guy's one of the fastest guys on the planet. Of course, you need him out there to actually run around for Tua to get that timing. Same thing with Fuller. They need they need to be out there to get that time. Right. I think we saw some things that were encouraging. Now, we got to talk about it, right, because I'm sure it's on everybody's mind. The interception that he threw. You can look at it two ways, right? You mentioned something earlier on your take, and I would like for you to repeat it for the listeners about the, the pick that he threw. Yeah, so, again, kind of what I was talking about earlier, you know, he throws a pick. Um 
in the in the end zone. He was going for a touchdown, so that's the first thing I'll say. He was he was taking a shot in the end zone. Right. He looked good standing in the pocket. His footwork looked good. He st- he stood tall. He didn't you know the pocket started to kind of crumble a little bit. And he didn't panic and just go for the run to to your point or to try to bail out. He was like, no, I'm I'm going to make this play. I'm going to make this throw. I should say. Right. And. The mechanics on it were flawless. The The pass was beautiful, a beautiful spiral. But he ends up throwing it into double coverage, which gets him picked off. I think it was just late on the throw. You think it was just the timing on it? I think it was just the timing thing. Could have because, been. And I heard somebody I attribute it more to the decision making. No, you know, because if you look he, at the he, play. He may have, if, that, if that was double covered, mm. that means somewhere else was Some, exploited right. that he didn't catch on. But I'm okay with that in week one of the preseason, yeah. the take quarter chances. one, week one of, of game one of the preseason. Right. I'll take that all day. Why? Because all the other things looked great. Now it's a matter of, all right, you got the mechanics down. You're healthy. Now we got to get this, right? We got to get the mental right, and we got to get that decision-making down to a science. Right. No, for sure, and, and what you said on that pass was kind of right, you know. he Now, the tight end was open for a brief second, and that's why I was saying it was a late throw because you kind of have to anticipate the tight end or the wide receiver or whoever being a little bit open. You have to lead them there or throw or just put it where they expect to be, especially in the NFL. In, the, in college, you could probably get away with it, right, because if you have a good arm, maybe the kid is not as fast. Right. But in the NFL – Everybody's fast. Yeah. The linebackers are fast. The D linemen are fast. Everybody's fast. Yep. So you need to be able to kind of foretell that route, see what it's going to look like, and make the throw. Now, he made the throw, and it looked good. It looked. It was a hell of a pass. But it was late. Resulting in an interception. And it, and it was an interception, which if you look back at it and you look at his stats, he went 8 for 11. So one of the incompletions was the interception. Another one was a, a, a pass that he kind of overthrew. And the third one was a catch that the tight end pretty much had, but had it ripped out of him on the first drive, on that on that first series, mm-hmm. which would have resulted in a first down, and, and who knows what happens after that. But, again, like two of them. 99 yards total. Or yeah, 99 yards 99 total. yards passing. Right. Which oh. in a quarter of football, it's really good. It's not terrible. And and it's not like it was a dump-off pass for 10 yards, another short route for 7 yards. No, it was, hey, here's a 25-yard pass. Hey, here's a post route for, for 22 yards. Those are things that move the chains and, and opens up the offense. I'm really excited to see what he's going to do in the second preseason game because I feel like he's going to get a, a, an entire half. To play because you kind of have to really start to ramp it up with only being three preseason games that we're going to get. So on the flip side of that, I was really impressed with Jacoby Brissett. Um, obviously, he's a professional, right? And he knows what it's like to be a backup. But he looks like he could be ready in case to a gets hurt, flops, whatever. He looks like hey, I'm here and I'm willing to support whoever's the first quarterback, but make no bones about it. If I get my shot, I'm going to be ready and I'm going to do my thing, yeah, which, is, which, which is encouraging. And he and he's he's done that before, right? And yeah. He, well, he, didn't he play for the Patriots with Flores up One there? One year. Was Flores there yeah. with them that year? And then so he went to New Then he got that deal Indy. over in Indianapolis. Yeah. And, you know, he, he did okay there. But I mean, he held him down. Two, yeah, he tool's our guy. The tool's my guy. You know, I'm I'm riding the tool ship to the you got no choice. Yeah, to the till next season for the most part. So for right now. So even if he um, does bad, right? But I just want to ask you something real quick. Sorry to cut you off, but I just want to ask you, even if Tua does bad, and I don't think he's gonna do bad, right? But even if Tua does do bad, does that 
warrant enough to say, you know what, pull the plug on Tua, get Jacoby in there. For what? What do you mean? I don't even like if if Tua starts playing bad and we're losing games, we're three and six. Tua's not it. Nine games into the season, that's more than halfway. Do you pull him and say, you know what, we're going to give Jacoby a shot and see what he can do? Um, I don't know. I, I it depends. I mean, we have to see, you know, what goes down. I really hope what you're saying doesn't, doesn't happen. <laughs> Let me knock on wood real of course, quick. I got you. Jeez, you Debbie Downer. You put no, but I, I asked that because episode. But my what I'm trying to get at is uh, Jacoby. I don't see him as a guy that we're trying to like. All right, if this fails, this is the other basket we have our eggs in. Like, no, Jacoby's a, a, a guy that he's a you know a veteran, like you said. Right. He he, he knows this, the system for the most part. It's it's probably similar to what he's seen already, being an East, uh, AFC guy, and he's got, he's a plug and play guy. So if Tua does go down, if Tua gets COVID, if Tua you know hurts himself, he's on a week to week. He's going to be out two three weeks, but he started off three and one. And now he's going to be out two, three weeks. Uh, we need somebody to hold us over. I feel pretty good about having Jacoby. Agreed. That, that's how I see that. Now, if Tua, you know, we're talking eight games down the season and we're one and seven. And, you know, it's like, what do we do? You know, I, we, that's, that's on a game-by-game game basis at that point. You know, it's like, all right, what are we even trying to do anymore now? Because we're not going to make the playoffs at that point. Nah. We're pretty much out of it. And then if we're not going to, you know, give Tua the, the chance to keep writing that out, then that means we're pretty much looking to next season, in which case we need to just give the guys that are around him that are going to be there next year the play time and try to give them the most out of it. So if that's with Jacoby, go that route. But there's still a lot. We, we don't know. There's still a lot. But I do like Jacoby as our backup for right now. I do, too. And the thing more with Tua is just like we don't have a long-term investment in him, right? Because we can easily look at it and at, at his situation in the short term and say, all right, if he pans out for us and he shows us these flashes and is actually good and wins games, then we're going to rock with him and, see, and we're going to continue to invest in and around him. But if he has an underwhelming season, I don't feel I don't feel like the Dolphins will be too attached to him to say, well, we we can't explore other options. Nah, yeah, that's why it's like a kind of interesting season, and everybody's going to be looking at Tua to see how well does he play, how good can the Dolphins be behind Tua. That's the biggest thing out there for this season, you know. I I, I enjoyed it, man. I mean, obviously we're you know I'm a Tua guy, so I saw that short, you know, uh, action that you know we got from him as positives. I took it all positive, for sure. yeah. The pick, you look at the pick, you're like, what is that, you know? And, and it's like, come on, too. Like, what are, you, what are you doing in a preseason game? What You know, why are you throwing picks? But all things considered, you know, having a full year to rest now, training camp, being around his coaches, learning the system, the mechanics look great. Now it's a matter of just the fine-tuning. Yeah. We got to do the fine-tuning. So. Yeah. Um, um, but talking about Jacoby, though, man. But real um, quick, uh, the Dolphins ended up, for those who don't know, the Dolphins ended up losing to the Bears 20-13. Yep. to 13. Not that it matters anyways, but in that first half, we did see the Dolphins score a touchdown and go up 13-3, to three and, you know, when pretty much the starters and second stringers were playing. Thanks to Jacoby. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and did you see the touchdown? I did. I did. It was nice. And... You know, no. Let's talk about this next topic because because yeah, it's going to lead us into the running backs. Yeah, right. Because yeah. that's that's kind of where I was thinking. That's kind of yeah. where I was heading. That touchdown that you're talking about was a nice little wheel route uh, from Ahmed Salvin Ahmed, who's our our second running back, I guess, to Miles mm-hmm. Gaskin. Yeah, but he he had a nice little route. He ran a beautiful route, blew the coverage right, and got behind the defender. Ends up catching the ball at like the ten yard line, seven yard line, then has to muscle his way into the end zone for the eventual touchdown. 
Ball placement was beautiful. The execution on the pass was beautiful, but so was the catch and the run after to make the play. For sure, and that's what he's known for. He's He has a really good idea of where to position himself to catch the ball coming out of the backfield to keep his momentum forward. You know, not, a lot of guys have to turn and twist their and bodies stop. to try to catch and stop mm-hmm. or whatever, but he's really fluid in his motion to keep his momentum moving forward. That's how he's able to overpower those guys, not because he's a big bruising back or something like that. But you're right, him and... And Gaskin, those Miles are Gaskin look good too. Gaskin look good too, but how good? You know, I I don't think that I don't think that either one of those guys really jumped out at me and said, "Yo, this guy's primed out for a good season." Not to say that Gaskin didn't have a good season last year. He had a very serviceable. How many How many carries did Gaskin have? How many did they give him that game? Uh, they gave him like six in the car- game? six carries, five carries, maybe four like carries, four carries, yards. nineteen yards. You're talking about. Over four yards a carry. Absolutely. I'll, I'll take that all day. You do that four times for me, Baba. You're getting me a first down. So right on track. We didn't give you as much time because you're our number one guy. We can't risk you right now. We need you. So a little bit, you know, just see what you got and and, and give you that that taste. I like it. Gaskin running the ball. had. A, I'm sorry, not Gaskin. Ahmed running the ball. Nice play up the middle. He broke off for like 20 yards up the middle on a draw. I like the explosivity there. And on that catch that we just talked about, the athleticism, right, the the playmaking ability, I, I like that one-two punch. Now, you mentioned a big bruising back earlier. But timeout. It's not a one-two punch because I don't think that either one of those guys can carry the load for an entire game. So now what we have essentially is a running back by situation, not necessarily by committee, Right, because it's not like well, whoever's hot this week is going to be in, and all you guys do the same things. No, there's a running back by situation. Hey, are we inside the two? We're going to go to Malcolm Brown. Hey, are we in the middle of the field and there's a possibility for a, a halfback pass or something like that? Okay, maybe we can go with Gaskins. Oh, we need a good first round, first yard, um, first down play, three, four, five yards. Let's give it to Ackman, see what he can do. Those situations are what's going to, in my opinion, dictate who plays at running back. And you were going to lead into the Malcolm Brown stuff. Right, right. Stuffing. Because my, you know, my thing is, I, I think that they are a one-two punch. The way that they looked in that game and, and what I saw last year when Gaskin got hurt and Ahmed had to step it up and we were like, who the hell is this no-name? Who is this Calvin guy? Ahmed. Like, and everybody and was quick on the f- free agent wire. Ah, he was making he was making plays for us, man. He was one of the only Dolphins that was making plays for us towards the end of the season there. And besides, you know, Gasecki and our tight ends and stuff. And um, you know, I, what I see with him and Gaskin is that they're they're pretty similar in their styles. You know what I mean? In their style of of, of running of back, running right. And that's what I mean by that one two punch. That it's like, all right, you know, this guy's gas. We just got him on a nice run on first down. Well, guess what? We got his his twin brother over here. About to get you down on second down, right? So I like the fact that we can keep doing that rather than like um, like the Saints that have Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray, but they're very, very different. You know, Kamara, you know he's in there. It's like, oh, we, we, we don't know what's going to happen. Murray's in there. Well, they're probably going to r- try to run it right up the gut, and he will get 10 yards because he's such a big bruising back. Right. But we, we don't got, have that. We don't have that. Why? Because the one guy that's Either a big or. bruising back <laughs> – we, we, we don't have we don't have, we don't have Kamara. So don't get me wrong. I'm yeah, not saying or comparing any of our running backs to Kamara. Yeah, but for sure. considering what we have, I like what we got. I, I like what I saw from these guys. I'm not sold, bro. And I haven't been sold last year either. Because, and look, we talked about it before in the draft uh, episode where we were coming up leading to the draft. We both wanted them to draft a running back. Mm-hmm. We both expected them to draft one within those first four rounds because we were like, oh, we man, didn't. we have a plethora of picks. We didn't, and I feel like that's the one thing 
that's going to come back to bite us in the ass later on in the season because of that. There are going to be games where Gaskin just might not have it. And then now we can't rely on him because he doesn't doesn't have it. So that man might be doing his thing, but maybe Malcolm Brown doesn't bring it because we know oh, that I, he can't bring it. I got it no faith in, in Malcolm Brown. But that's what I'm saying. So, like, if one of those two one-two punches isn't clicking – the third guy isn't really going to be the guy to be like, oh, don't worry about it. I got you with the spell. I can, I can get you for 10, 15 plays. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm like, man, we really could have invested in a young back and say, you know what, we're going to give you 15 to 20 carries a game because we don't really have a number one running back. And if you can develop into that or show us that you can do that, then we'll, we'll obviously slowly increase you. Now, we have that guy that we drafted, um, Jared Dokes, 23-year-old rookie. Would he make the squad? I doubt it. But he's probably the one running back that you're like, okay, he's an all-around back. We don't have an all-around back. And the offense could really need it. Why? Because we know that the offensive line may not be the greatest when it comes to pass running blocking, right? So we may need a guy who can create holes for himself, literally push through the O-line and, and make a space where he can take off. And even for Tua, you need a running game to support him where he can fake those handoffs, open up the, the the safeties and take a shot downfield or something like that, or even hand it off and take it himself, whatever the case may be. That threat only exists or makes the offense better. Yeah, we can have badass wide receivers. We can have a really good quarterback, and our O-line could be good, but we're not going to beat the teams that are buying for playoff spots without a solid running game, or at least a consistent running game. So if those two guys can offer a consistent running game, then awesome. We know that they can, right? The probability of them doing it, it may not be so high, but we know that they can do it. They just need to be consistent for this year to be a a true success offensively, I feel like. Yeah, Uh, I I think that with these two guys, uh, there's something that we don't know. Mm. I think your consigliere... Mm. Knows more than we know about the situation. I mean, Why? Because hot, Chris, because, because to your point, having all that draft capital in a class of running backs like Et Etienne Turner, um, the, the kid the, from the, North Carolina, the dude from, from Alabama, uh, Najee Najee Davis or Harris yeah, Harris, um, the the dude from North Carolina. You know what I mean? The plethora of running backs that were out there, and. We don't pull the trigger on any of those guys. Yeah, not even we, in the we go with we go with pieces all all around the team, offense, defense, both sides of the ball, but we don't make any crazy picks on the running back except for Dokes, seventh rounder at that. So what to me like that that tells me it's like all right, they believe Coach in Flo these guys <laughs> and and the coaching staff. They know something about these guys that nobody else knows, and that's perfectly fine. I love your take. I want everybody to keep that same energy. When these guys do go off as the tandem duo to have in the league that nobody saw coming, we're going to revisit this podcast. All right, let me ask you a question. Since you have that bravado in you, right, and we're going to remember things. Hot take. Hot takes. How many yards do you think that Gaskin is going to have rushing yards? Oh, I was waiting for this. Rushing yards. Check me out. Are you ready for this hot take? Go ahead. Mind you, he's never hit a thousand. He's not going to hit a thousand. He's not going to hit a thousand. He's never hit it. I'm not going to say that, but I will say that. Go ahead. Gaskin and Ahmed will combine for a thousand this year. That's whack. Come on, dog. That's a hot take. No, man. That's whack. Jay, that's whack. Hey, dog. Hot take. Dog. 
Dog. That's, that's not even yards. a hot take. That's like a lukewarm take. Yeah, because I don't want to be. Too, nah, you know, man, too but bold. that's what I'm saying, bro. We can't have two guys. But I can just, see Gaskin putting up 750 yards. But you year. feel me? Like, we can't have two guys equal one running back's like, productivity. Like, that's that's a, a a recipe for disaster. Bro. Why? Because normally, we got two guys, one goes normally, down. Normally, got another guy. Now normally, he gets more play time. Hear me more out. Production. Hear me out. Normally, a, a offense, right? Especially a playoff contending team offense, between two backs, they're gonna average fourteen hundred yards. Two backs. That's seven hundred apiece. That's not even a stack each. So now you're telling me that these guys are gonna come up with a thousand yards between both of them. Nah, man. I expect Gaskins. Minimum. No, nah, I, I I expect Gaskins to have seven hundred on his own, right? If he's the number one, that's fine. You he and I both agree to that. Puts up five hundred. That's at least a thousand. That's twelve hundred nah, yards. Man. Nah, man. Like both of those guys really have to hit over six hundred yards each, each. <clears throat> Excuse me, because that's gonna come out to a little over a hundred yards per game in between both. And that's and that's the minimum you need to be a a, a viable offensive threat in the NFL. So the minimum you need is twelve hundred yards on a season from two running backs. Fourteen hundred, fourteen hundred, thousand yards, fourteen hundred, fourteen hundred. I mean, we're talking that, about, now we're just getting into the weeds of things. This is all nah, just opinion but based. You, but look, and most of the times the person who has the second the the second running back doesn't even clear five hundred because the first running back has a thousand. They take yards. the bulk of it, right? So that's what I'm saying. One of those guys has to step up and get as close as they can to a thousand. Yeah, so that'll be Gaskin. Gaskin will put I up think 750. It's be Gaskin. He's going to probably have more than 750. I hope he has more than 750 where he develops into that real first down back and he averages that 4.8, 4.9 a carry. What if it was what if it's the other way around? We're not even seeing this. What if Ahmed becomes the premier running back and Gaskin becomes that change of pace back? I mean, it's possible, right? Because I, I feel like Ahmed is obviously the stronger of the two. You probably give the edge to Gaskin and being slick and being faster. Probably slight edge in hands, right? So it wouldn't be surprising to see either one of those guys dominate the number one spot. But we just need one of them to dominate that number one spot and be yeah. like, this is me, you know? And you know what? Now that we're talking about that and depth and number one spots, we could say the same shit about the wide receivers because we invested heavily in wide receivers. We actually have, like... 13 wide receivers on the roster, almost 12 wide receivers on the roster right now, which is incredible. Do we have a lot extra? Maybe we could have used one of those roster spots somewhere else on a running back, you know, maybe another tight end or even a lineman. But we have all these wide receivers now, and I don't really know who to trust. I know that Parker's going to be well, we there. We lost one. We lost Alan Hearns. Yeah, I saw it. Well, he went down with a minor injury. He's going to be out for, a couple, for three months. He'll be back before the season is over. Um, but but still, like we know what we have in Parker. He's a a good, he's really our most good, veteran receiver. A good wide receiver, a real good wide receiver, right? We just haven't we burned him internally here in Miami. Number one because we're jerks, <laughs> and number two because where he was drafted, the hype behind him, we w- expected him to be like a world class number one Hall of Famer wide receiver. And he's not that. And that's okay too. He can be a really good wide receiver and even be the best wide receiver on this team. 
without being a Hall of Famer. I get that. So you're going to hold our running backs to a certain standard, but I, not our best I'm, receiver? I'm put, no, I'm holding him to the same standard, though. But you're saying that it's but, okay for him not to be a superstar. I'm going to tell what? you that it's not okay. He's hit you at least. You need to be that guy. I feel you, but he's hit at least 900 yards in, in, in receiving yards, and that's with bad quarterbacks. Bad quarterbacks. I, I, I see your argument. You get my but, point? But still, at I, least I've, the I've running been, back. I've been, I've been a Dolphins fan long enough, and I love, part, I love Devontae. I love... I like him as a receiver. I, I like his size. I like the way that he plays and all that. But he's let us down, man. He's let us down as a he's Dolphins had fan. Moments. He's had moments where he could have, you know, made a lot of people happy, and he just didn't make the play that he should have made or could have made because we've seen the talent, right? So that's why I'm like, okay, we have our most veteran wide receiver. That's a guy that I can count on for 900 yards. If he stays healthy, 17 games, he's going to have over a thousand yards. There's no doubt about it in my mind. If mm-hmm. he can play all 17 games, he's going to have But there's, uh, on that, he, there's no reason why he shouldn't be a 1,000-yard receiver now with a Tua. guy like Tua. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? You so, know? like, we have more ability in that because I trust the quarterback and I trust the wide receiver that he's throwing to. Same thing with Fuller. Same thing with Preston Wilson. Same thing with Albert Williams. Williams. Same thing with Albert Williams. Uh, Albert Wilson. Wilson, there you go. Albert Wilson. those two. <laughs> Backwards. Uh, Jakeem Grant. Jake- well, leave that guy out of there. You really leave, don't like Jakeem, Leave that dude. guy out of the wide receiver spots. You My really man is there like to return guy. kicks. Nah, he's nah, there to return kicks. Nah, we got another guy for that, Papa. I don't nah, know if nah, you nah. saw that. I don't want to see water out there, bro. Bro, that one return that he had he was nice. nice. He's fast. Scary. He's fast. He's fast. He's real fast. But... I don't want to see him doing that, dog. I don't know, dog. I don't want to see him know. doing that. I don't want to see him doing that. If he, if he could that. be, you know, obviously, you know, there, there's a lot of guys that whose name escaped me right now that in, in their first season or two have the duty of that return. You know what I mean? And then they, they, they stop. But you look at a guy like Tyreek Hill, bro, when the game's on the line and they need a return, who's returning the ball for them? Tyreek Hill. It's Tyreek Hill, Papa. Yeah, but he's also the fastest They're not putting guy. Chris Pringle in there or whatever that guy's name is or, or Ete Otro Sapo or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're putting in Ty- the Cheeto, bro. I understand that. And there's a reason. There. There's a reason why he's in there. He's the fastest guy in the NFL, literally. But not just that. He's a, he's an electrifying return He's also man. 5'10", 5'6", right? Super shifty. So he's he's like a Jakeem Grant on steroids. Oh, I thought we weren't going to talk about Jakeem Grant. But that's what Jakeem Grant <laughs> wishes that he yeah. could be like, right? Because they're the same size, same weight probably and everything. Like, right. They're like... They look alike too. You know what I mean? But that's why you can do that with a guy like Tariq Hill. Waddle is a rookie. He's coming off an injury in college. He hasn't played that much in the last year and a half, two years. Let this man be a wide receiver. Learn your routes. Study your playbook. Become that next tier of wide receiver. Why? Because I feel like that door is really open. You have a bunch of veterans there, but nobody's really stayed around to claim the spot. Parker has the number one spot off two things alone. A, he's been there the longest off rip. And number two, he's probably been the most consistent and productive wide receiver that we have when you break it all down. Yeah. It's been him, right? So he's definitely earned that that mantle, right? Because there's nobody else there that's a real threat or has been there that's been a real threat to that. Waddle is that threat because he can be a number one wide receiver. Sure. And if he can do that, man, then we're in a real good position. And I really hope that he's the one that takes that step and says, you know what, Fuller, take this place, sit right here. Hey, no, I'm going to stand in the slot. You go over there, watch this. Yep. Throw it over. You know, and, maybe, and, maybe and he can guy. do what Devontae never could do and become our franchise guy. Yeah, man, but that's you know expecting I mean? Tua, a lot. Tua and Waddle, if those two guys can can really connect, 
the way that we're expecting them to uh-huh. and, and, and start something here with this Dolphins team that mm. we haven't had in a long, long, long time, that, that, would, that would be something to look forward to, man. He's, he definitely has the, the athleticism, the tools, the everything you want to name it. The only thing that he, he doesn't have is that prototypical size to be a quote-unquote number them, one. Neither of them do. I mean, but Parker has that size. He's no, no, no. I'm talking good. about Tua and uh, yeah, and Waddle. Neither one of them do, which right. makes it that much greater. You know, these two guys that are, you know, it's like Dang. you don't see them being those guys, and these are the guys that take our team to the promised land. But we both agree that Waddle could definitely bust through there and be the 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 threat to Parker. Right? Maybe not this year. Maybe. But, I mean, I doubt it. I doubt it. It, hey, it takes a lot. Know. Yeah, I know, I know. But it takes a lot to have a rookie wide receiver. Ball out. It takes a lot. You need no, to I have, know, but, like, a really good quarterback. Because look at... The fact um, that he has his old college quarterback throwing to him. But it's not the same. have that relationship. It's not the same. Dude, it, you never know, bro. Those guys no, play bro. together more than Devontae Parker and Tua played together. Let me ask you a question. You remember uh, DK Metcalf's rookie season? How he was, like, a monster. Yeah, with Russell. Killing it. But that's mostly because he had Russell throwing him the ball. Granted, Metcalf is nasty. He's a one-of-a-kind. Uh-huh. Right? He only gets to be that raw in his first year because of the man throwing him the ball, you know? So we know that the guy throwing him the ball is an MVP, Super Bowl winner, a really good guy behind there. So, yeah, I can hook you up to make you look really good. The rest is up to, up to you. You're the one who has to take it to the house. You're the one who has to break six tackles to score. And Metcalf did all that. With Waddle, Tua's not at that level where he can say, I'm going to make you good automatically, and then you take it from there. Now nah, they're going to have to kind of like – me halfway and like really click for both of them to be outstanding. That's that's what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? But we'll see. We'll see because I feel like Waddle's probably already a better receiver than than Fuller. He's probably a better receiver than Preston Will- Williams. Probably a better receiver than Albert Wilson. Just on pure talent alone. Maybe he's not as fast as those guys or a big, strong, whatever. But just on football terms and being able to catch the ball, he's up there. He's up there. I trust that guy a lot, you know. And it's going to be interesting how him and, and Tua connect. One thing that I did want to bring up, because yeah, we talked about the tight ends and we talked about the running backs, um, I wanted to talk about the offensive line, man, and and how they're going to be able to gel. Like I said, I was really impressed how they kept Tua up. They didn't really allow him to get touched. No, they didn't really have a lot of pressure. They didn't have a lot of pressure. The, the pocket collapsed maybe once or twice, which is okay. It's going to happen. And even in those times, Tua was able to step up to make a throw or, like, throw out of the bounce, whatever. Granted, he didn't have Khalil Mack, you know, coming down, coming down his throat, yeah. which always makes a big difference. But still, it's like they played well. And that's one of, for me, it's the, hot, the biggest question of the year. You know, how good is our offensive line going to be? Because we weren't rated as a really good offensive line when it came to the running game. Now, we talked about it before where we could have attributed that to both things, right? Where the running backs maybe weren't as good or as consistent because we saw them getting hurt. Gaskins played a couple of games and he would get hurt. Then Ackman came in and played well. And then Gaskin kind of came back and they were splitting at the end. So it was really hard to get some type of consistency in that running game department. But then you look at the offensive line and see how they excelled pretty much in pass protection in comparison to their run run game. And for me, it's like, damn, 
if we're going to take that next step to be like a playoff contender and win games that are very winnable, right? We know that game that haunts us to this day. I don't want to talk about it. I know you don't, buddy. Uh, but that's, those are games that we could have won and other games that we could have won at some point last year that probably would have had us in the playoffs. And this year is all about making the playoffs. There's, there's no other way around it. It's all about making the playoffs. So with all this said, I'm really interested to see how the offensive line is going to be able to, to bounce back and gel and create some type of running lanes for Gaskin and for Ackman. I don't know about you, man, but it's, I feel like that's probably the, the biggest question mark of the season. Uh, yeah, I, I, we got to see what happens this Saturday against the Falcons, right? And we're going to have more time to play for this whole first team and all the guys that we really care about. You know, Obviously, the second half of all these preseason games are just more so for the guys in the game than for us because those guys are just battling for their jobs and you know trying to make a roster. <clears throat> but um, we got to see. We got to see the whole the whole team because I know I, I don't think I don't think Tua got sacked in his first uh, in that first quarter. I don't no. think they let up a sack for him. I know I know Brissett got sacked. He right. got sacked and he got pressured a couple times. But at that point, that's not our first team anymore out there. Nah, that's not even the first seven guys in the rotation. Yeah, so that doesn't really concern me too much. There, it's more so what the guys in the beginning did, and they did great. I felt they looked like good. They really I think good, there was man. a major improvement. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that. Like and even man, that's what pissed me off about the running backs that game. They the offensive line looked like they created a bunch of holes in the when it came time to run. You know, and it's just the hole wasn't just hit quick enough. And in the NFL that half a second yeah, it makes that, all the difference. That gap is gone, bro. I, I really feel like if Gaskins and Ackman can really benefit from the offensive line and the offensive line stays as healthy as possible, we know that they're gonna be good. Or they can be really good, you know, like they're going to be good already, but they can be really good to the point where Tua can feel more comfortable in the pocket, stand in the pocket a lot more like you want him to, and be able to deliver those throws downfield in order to make a play. Can it happen? It's tough. <laughs> it's tough because we honestly don't know. We need to see the consistency behind it. Like we just pointed out in this whole episode, we know that there's plenty, plenty, plenty of talent up and down this this offense. Plenty of offensive talent. Can they put it all together? Can they gel it? Can the offensive line link up with the running backs to be better for Tua so that Tua can connect with the right receivers? How is that all going to play out? It's going to be interesting to see, but I really think that Coach Flo has a good idea of where he wants to go or at least what he wants his offense to look like, and we'll see that pan out in these next two preseason games. Yeah, we got two more games. We're definitely not in midseason form. We're far from it. You know, we're ironing out the kinks, but we we got a good foundation from last year. You know, we got our guys. We got our pieces in place, and uh, I'm excited to the Saturday, but – I, I can't help but notice, you know, we're, we're so like th- some 30-odd minutes into this podcast, and we've been we've just kind of pounded this horse that's called offense on the team. Yeah. I mentioned a little bit of special team. Shout out Jason Sanders. Yes. Um, our our moneymaker. Mr. Automatic. Yeah. I love that guy. Love um, you, buddy. But we have yet to talk about the defense. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the... The cornerback situation. Is there a reason why we just haven't brought it up yet? I mean, we were I pretty wanna, solid. We were, that's the best thing we had going for us last season, right? We're not too concerned with defense. Just want to put that out there, right? I am a little concerned you about are? the defense. Okay. And let me tell you why. We already saw that the eagle already creeped up into the, the defensive side of the football. 
right? Eagle was a part of it. Everybody can say that it wasn't a big deal and the Xavier Howard thing was like not a big deal to everybody else. They can say all that all they want. But you and I know that stuff like that builds up. That type of energy happens to build up. Now, they got the deal done. Xavier's happy. Xavier's happy, allegedly. Byron is happy, allegedly. Are those two guys going to be able to perform to the highest level that they can? I don't see why not. I don't think. Well, that's the thing. It's going to be really hard for both of them to excel because one of those guys is going to end up getting picked on. Whoever's having the better season, whoever can make the bigger. I'm going to say Byron's going to get picked on. Then how is he going to handle it? And in either two things, one of two things are going to happen. Either he steps up and he makes the play that we need him to play while Xavier's side is completely locked down. But, and we're good. We're, we're exactly what we want to happen. Or he's going to get exposed, and we're going to go. Eh, maybe, maybe this isn't our guy. But let me tell you something. Him being exposed exposes the entire defense because we don't have enough cornerbacks that are as good as these guys. We have the rookie, right? Who's a safety? Who's learning? He's going to play a lot of a nickel. That's right. cool, right? But other than that, there's not one guy you can point at to be like this guy's next up because he can t- replace either one of these guys let him leave no nah. nobody said that throughout the entire thing that was happening with Xavier Howard nobody mentioned that at all in the preseason like build up to the Dolphins so I know that the Dolphins are concerned about the availability of players in the backfield on the defensive side if these guys don't both step up then we're going to have a big problem on defense because they're only going to target one side, and that's going to make it harder for us to really lock teams down because eventually offense, the, the game is built towards offense. So the offensive guys being able to exploit that, that might come to hurt us in games that we don't expect us to hurt us. You know? I'm not concerned, man. I'm not concerned. We talked about really? it a few episodes ago how you know now that Xavier has his money, um, you know he, he got – what what was gonna? He got what he wanted somewhat. You know, we don't really know right. what Xavier wanted, but we know he was unhappy. He wanted to re, uh, renegotiate his contract, and sure enough, he got more guaranteed money. He got some more incentives, and it's like, all right, you're good now. Are you happy? All right, now back to business. It's not over yet because he doesn't have a long term deal. He's still fighting for more money, so he needs to still continue playing at that high level of play that he he's he's played at for us these last few years more so last year than anything else that was his best year his best season as a pro right and we you know he's going to want to double down on that as a guy like that that's like all right you know i had to fight you tooth and nail for you to renegotiate after i had double digit interceptions for you last year and put the defense on my back and nobody threw to my side all right i'm going to make sure that i don't leave any anything up to question i'm going to ball out i'm going to do my job and then you're going to be forced to pay me next year. And what you talked about a couple episodes was now Byron Jones seeing that is going to go, I don't want to be the odd man out. I, I still got plenty of talent. I'm still a star. There's a reason why I have my current badass contract is because I know how to play this game. So, I, you know, I don't unless there's, you know, which I, we don't know what the dynamic is between these guys as teammates. But unless there's bad blood there, you know, that kind of, you know, there's something that's preventing them for, for wanting to fight for one another. Then I don't, I, you know, I don't see them doing bad. But I mean, you're you're going like this with your fingers with I'm the saying, money sign. I'm but saying like money everybody's is money's the... different though, bro. Your money doesn't concern me, bro. Go oh, get your money, homeboy. I feel you. I'm gonna go get mine. I'm gonna go play for mine and for this team and for a ring. And 
let the chips fall where they may. Like what you eat don't make me shit, bro. I hear you. So I'm but, not concerned with your money, homie. But let me tell you something. In the in the NFL locker room, it's been proven and, and history has shown this that that shit does matter. It comes down to it. You know why? Because players talk about that shit. They talk about who's getting paid the most. Oh, this guy has this. This guy shows up in this car. This guy is rocking this watch. They talk about that shit. So it, it definitely, definitely can creep up into their minds, right, if they're not on that same page where it's like, I'm happy you got your money, dog. Yeah, me too. I'm happy you got your money. All right, cool. Let's get it. Now, if that's the attitude. That's, that's, that's what I'm, I'm feeling that, that where they're at, I think. We hope. I'm hoping. That that, that's where they're at. We hope that that's it. You, you got yours? I got mine? All right, let's go. go. Now, let's, let's go. Get go. This let's go. You know, right. and, and let's be the ones that lead this defense. Right, right. right. Now, if that's the attitude that they have, then they, yeah, they're going to be nasty. I'm hoping that's the they're case. They're going to be nasty. But if that's not the case, if it's the case where it's like what we talked about, where I have to outshine you, right, then, yeah, we're going to have that beef. They're, that beef is more than evitable going to pop up. It's not like the defensive line, right, but Like, and even in the linebackers because those guys are used to rotating. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, I'm a linebacker. I'm going to get 80 snaps a game, but I'm also going to take off 20 snaps. I'm a D lineman. Yeah, I'm going to go hard for these 50 to 60 snaps, but I know I'm going to have to take a break because I got to rotate with the next guy. Those guys are used to that. With the corners, those guys play every down. Like, they don't want to come off the field. Like, this is my spot. Go somewhere else and, and play defense. You know what I mean? It can be really tricky. And worse off for the Dolphins, there's not a lot of depth behind that. Talk about Nick Needman, um, another first-round pick from last year, which I have a real hard time pronouncing his last name. But I'm going to go with his first name, Noah. And I think it's like, ain't going to not pay, whatever. I'm not really last long. I'm not even going to attempt to help exactly, you Exactly, yeah. But he's he's a guy that we invested a first-round pick in uh, a couple of years ago. He's yet to pan out. So we don't have a lot of space back there. You know, we don't. We don't have a lot of space back there. Both of these guys really have to pop off and be the focal point of the defense. Now, I talked about the def- the defensive line. I'm really happy with how these guys are turning out. I'm really happy how these guys are turning out. And and, and that's that we haven't even seen, like, Jalen Phillips going ham. Um, even a guy like uh, Chris, uh, Christopher Wilkins. Uh, Christian. Christian, Christian Wilkins, the, the, the Power Ranger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Power you know, Ranger. yeah. I, those guys have me excited for what the D-line can bring. I feel like our D-line is really going to get after some quarterbacks, and it wouldn't surprise me if the Dolphins end up top 10, top 5 in, in sacks this year. And not so much in picks because we're going to be able to get to the quarterback so quick, you know, um, which benefits Jones and Howard is somewhat where they're not going to be able to see too many throws like heading their way, and they're just going to have to make do and make the most out of their opportunities. But I'd rather our D-line be dominating, you know, than have our linebackers or our secondary be the dominating part right, of the defense. Right, right. We want to stop the play before it develops. Right. I want no, I want to shut down that running game so bad on everybody. Yeah, because if, your D, if your safeties are the ones balling out every game, that's a problem because everything's getting past your front seven and, you know, and the corners and everything, and they're the last – Line of hope. So, yeah, we definitely want that to stop at the T-line right yeah, there. Yeah, man. And even if looking within our own division, we have a rookie quarterback in the Jets that we should be able to beat twice and just be able to put a shit ton of pressure on top of him to beat him, right? We play the Buffalo Bills twice who have a really good quarterback in Josh Allen. Boy got paid. Paid. And he has weapons. So we know that the only way to beat guys like that is to 
get to him. You got to get to him before they can throw the ball. You and need he, to be able to hit him. He's a tough one because he, he'll, he'll, he'll break out that pocket out. quick and he'll, he'll roll out of scramble for 50 yards on you. And he can take Oh, he's not sliding. He's not sliding. Love that guy, Big boy. You know what I mean? So we have to kind of attack those offensives like that. Even what's the last team that I'm missing? The Patriots with Cam Cam Newton. That's a guy that if you have let him sit back there, he's going to find people open. He's going to take his sweet time, and he's going to throw darts because he can still sling it. Now, if you make a move, if you start to hit him and he gets uncomfortable, then that Cam Newton turns into a different type of quarterback. That's how we're going to be able to survive our playoff hunt. We got to win these division games, and a lot of that has to do with our D-line being able to dominate the offensive line and the quarterback that we're facing. A lot of that is gonna gonna really dictate how many games we win inside the division. I don't know about you, man, but I'm not I'm not worried about the Jets. I'm not worried about the Patriots. Should, nobody should be worried about them. The the AFC right now, unfortunately, runs through Buffalo, and, and that's that's who we need to show out when we can, play them. Yeah, we need to show out. Yeah, we need to take at least one. Right? No, both games. We need both those games. Shit, that's what I'm saying about showing out because right now it runs through Buffalo. So we split those. But damn, but then they can win see, the division and we just split that game and we kind of creep into the wild card. No, we need to win both. We win both on. of those, we win the division. But hold on, but hold on. Now we're talking about winning both games against Buffalo, right? Okay. That means that two things are happening, hypothetically. That means that Tua is playing really great and he's going tit for tat for every with other every other quarterback that he's facing, right? And that our defense is top notch and, and shutting down other opponents. What is the true likelihood of both things happening? I don't think that... As a Dolphins fan? Yeah. Pretty fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm clearly the Dolphins fan in the room representing. I got my hat, my shirt. I, I'm looking at everything through rose-colored glasses, bro. This is preseason. Like, Teal like, colored glasses. I tr- trust me. I will come back down to earth, you know, halfway through the season once right. everything starts over. But we're at the beginning of the cycle, my man. I am being optimistic the as they come. As optimistic as they come. Which is why I think that Miles Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed are going to make a great <laughs> running back duo. So you're not drafting those guys, right? Everybody in Joel's league, he's uh, not drafting. I'm drafting those guys. both those guys, one and two, <laughs> back to back. I'm hoping for the 12th pick so that I can go back to back with them. Um, no, I'm talking shit, but I'm very optimistic, man. I, like I said, you know, this is the reason why we do this podcast because sure. we love this team and and <laughs> we, we want to wish well on them. I'm not an analyst, that's why I don't quit my day job. You know, I I don't know the ins and outs of, of football. But I'm just speaking from my perspective as a fan, for sure. And based off of what I've seen, you know, if I if I want to go off historical data, the Dolphins have always let me down. As long as I can remember, <laughs> so if I, I wouldn't I need to, to ESPN, I wouldn't Google need to that. sit here and do all this. I, I wouldn't need to watch the preseason game. Facts. I'd just be like, Nah, bro. I know what they're gonna do. They're they're gonna win a couple of the games. They're gonna disappoint everybody that's you know rooting them on, and then the cycle is gonna start again all over again next year in April. No, you know, I'm 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 throwing all that away, and I want to be optimistic, man. I want to be excited for Finn's football, man. for sure. Now, and and look for all the the stuff that we talked about. This is the year that we could probably look towards the most potential, the most. Things happening in a positive light for the Dolphins, right? Like even last year, we knew with like COVID and the Fitzpatrick and all this stuff, it was like we know not to expect a lot. And the Dolphins surprised us with winning football games, with playing well, with battling with the other top teams in the AFC and overall in the NFL. This year is a little bit different because we expect a little bit more from them, right? We kind of like we talked about expect them to really make it into the playoffs and and strive towards that goal. And be a team to be reckoned with. You know, I don't expect these guys to be world beaters and go out there and beat everybody 42 to zip. But win games that I expect you to win, win games that we're in 
right, and have a chance to win and play and play as most as most consistent as possible in all aspects. That's where the optimism comes through for sure. But I also want to look at the realness and be like, man, if these if all these things align, then damn, we're a badass Super Bowl contending team. So the the probability of that not happening is like, okay, that's what keeps me checked to be like, if we're gonna falter, where where are the areas that we're gonna falter? And the only real area that I can see us faltering is the running game. You know, I hate to bring it back to that, but everything else looks to be solid. Maybe not great, but at the very least, solid. Right? Quarterback, solid. Um, wide receiver, solid. Defensive back, solid. D-line, really good. Linebackers, super solid. Right? All these areas, really solid. Special teams, beyond solid. Running backs, ah, maybe. <laughs> That's the one spot It's like, No, damn, rightfully we so. Don't I know, totally get it. You know, we don't no-name know. guys. We don't know. You know, and and we don't know what's going to happen. We need more time with them to, to to really see. But I will take it back to last season. Yeah, and I will say that I was heavy on tight ends. Yes, you were playmakers. Yes, you were. And I remember we can look it up. We could probably go back to the episode that it was. Yeah, we don't have to said. do that. We don't got to do something. That. Something. I'm paraphrasing, but something to the extent of you know the tight ends not really going to be your playmaker. They're not really going to be your go to guy. They're not really going to put up more much points for your team. And week in and week <laughs> out, I was on here just. Praising our tight ends, you know, our whole squad of them. And they they were the ones that were holding us down. So I say that to say I'm heavy on our running backs this year. I'm looking forward to them this year. And that's going to be my go-to week to week to dissect to see how well they're doing because I would love for them to prove. We'll see. Not you, but everybody that's doubting them from being an NFL backfield, you know, suitable NFL backfield. I hope that they prove everybody wrong, and and uh, and we have our our backfield for the future. It's on the record. Hey, it's on wax, bro. It's on the we record. know what we're doing. It's on the here. record. But um, yeah, man, I I feel your enthusiasm, and I share it. You know, I'm definitely excited for the NFL season to commence. Uh, let's talk about a little bit what's coming up for the Dolphins. We got a game this Saturday against Atlanta, our only home preseason game, which is going to be cool. And then we finish off the regular. You think Kanye is going to be <laughs> suited up playing for them? He might and be. In, so, he might what, be in my position. If Kanye had to play, I feel like he would be a badass punter. He's got thick legs. Really, dude? Yeah, well, he's punter. not athletic. You think Kanye is going to be the punter of the team hey, you with his know. ego? He's for sure the quarterback, bro. He can't even see over a running back, let alone an offensive line. He can't lineman. see. He's wearing pantyhose on his face. That's what I'm saying, bro. He, he, that's not like... For <laughs> he doesn't need to see. He feels the field. He's one with the field, my guy. He's and then he throws a ball, and before he cat, like the receiver catches it, he just starts levitating. Uh, yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, dog. That's not happening. I'm seeing it happen, yeah, but man, that's not happening. Um, Saturday, we, man. Yeah, against Saturday Falcons, against the Falcons. Seven o'clock. Let's bring it back, and then we um we wrap up preseason with a matchup in Cincinnati on the 29th against the Bengals. Everybody's gonna be probably doing NFL drafts that night. I know I am. Um, Battle of the rookie QBs or the yeah. sophomore QBs. Yeah, and then um that's it. Then the regular se- regular season starts. Week one against New England, and then week two against Buffalo. Ooh, Shout out to my boy back Vic. To back we got a little games. bet going on. Back to back divisional games. Yeah, bro. But I feel like we can beat the Patriots. No, no, we we for sure can win that home opener and get us get us riled up. I don't but, trust Cam Newton, dog. But it's it's that Buffalo game, Papa. That it's, Buffalo game. They're not expecting us to take that early one. D line dominate. Why not? That's why I'm saying D line go dominate. Feel me? Go dominate. That's it. If they dominate, we give ourselves a shot. But um, yeah, man, I'm glad we did this Dolphins episode, bro. It was we much needed, needed. It, man. We've it neglected much our, needed. our fins for a few months now. Yeah, you know, with uh, off-season football, the draft, trades, free agency, all this stuff happening, and it's like, man, you know, that's only the tease. 
until when it's like, oh, snap. Your commissioner texts you. It's like, yo, what day are you available for a draft? And it's like, oh, football's back. <laughs> it's really back. And then you get to see the playoffs, uh, the preseason games, and, and it just brings you back into that, bro. And like we talked about, we're excited, man. We're really excited for this Dolphins team. There's a lot of potential here. There's a lot of things that can go right and probably will go right for the Dolphins because I think that we can be a playoff team, to be honest, man. Yeah, I thought I thought we were there last year, bro. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and we've made a few changes since then, a few additions, more experience. Why not, man? This is the year. Let's go. Tua. This is the year. This is it. We just need Tua to be good. Don't be amazing. Be oh, good. Man, we need the whole team, man. You keep putting be this good. shit on Tua. I do. We need the whole team. The uh, whole team. Coaching. We need the trainers to be on point. But the coaching is there. We need the staff to be on point. On. The cheerleaders need to look sexy, pump up the crowd, <laughs> distract the opposing players, just like in the replacements. What? We need you know Tom Brady to show us the ways of flattening balls. We need the Astros to come in and show us how to bang trash cans. We need something. I want a Super Bowl in Miami, damn it. I mean, bro. We, what, you know what, what makes that happen? A really good freaking quarterback. Oh, God. <laughs> and if and if two is a really good quarterback, then guess what? We can be in a Super Bowl, bro. Sooner than what we both think. How about that? All it takes in the NFL is one really good quarterback. Everything else falls in after that. Bills weren't shit until they got Josh Allen, and he probably did something. Packers weren't shit until Aaron Rodgers started. Really, bro? Out. Really? I'll give you another example. Buccaneers weren't shit until Tom Brady got there, and they went to the Super Bowl. That's what I'm saying, man. When you have the quarterback, everything is possible. When you don't have it, it's really hard to make it anywhere, especially the playoffs. So we need Tua to do his thing. Be Tua. Be our Tua. The guy that we all think that you are up in here. Be that guy. Be that guy. Be that guy. And if he is that guy, then guess what? We're going to the Super Bowl. Fuck it. I like it, bro. I like it. Fuck it. We're going to the Super Bowl, baby. Go ahead and... Gotta start that season, baby. Let's go, man. Let's go. Dolphins episode is in the books. Joel, my dog, we locked it down. CIC, shout out to you guys for holding us down. And we got the 50th episode coming up, man. We're going to do it big. It's going to be hurricanes related. You guys got to... Man, wait till you see what's in store for that, bro. I don't even want to say it. I don't even want to say it. I don't want to even say it. But um, make sure you guys are all checking us out on social media, on our Instagram, YouTube, uh, Spotify, everything. Sports with So So Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube right now, do me a favor. Like, subscribe, and tell a friend. They're down here somewhere. All right? They're in this area. Do those three things and you'll have a friend for life. Yeah, man. And make sure to tell a friend. To tell a friend. To tell another friend. To tell one more friend. To tell two more friends about this amazing podcast that we got going on here. And again, we're bringing it to you on all type of platforms. So there's no way that you guys should miss out. Until next time, y'all. Peace.